is two in a row for the Phoenix Suns. They beat the Lakers on Thursday night, and here they are on Sunday night. They defeated the Portland Trailblazers, an undermanned Portland Trailblazer team, a vastly undermanned Portland Trailblazer team. This team, eight players out. But the Suns, of course, had to had to make it interesting, had to keep us on the edge of our seats, and had to, had to keep us engaged, especially in the beginning of the fourth quarter. They ultimately do win the game uh, by a final score of 127 to 116. But Matthew, I know I, I know I shouldn't bitch about wins, but it would have been nice if you know a team that had literally just lost by what 62 points, if the Suns could could have like rested some starters or something, man. Maybe I'm getting greedy in, in my old age. Yeah, I think it's different right now because the way the Suns are going about things, trying to get the big three and everybody else kind of you know used to each other out there. I think we're gonna have these games against bad teams. Uh, I think in 20 games that we're playing, I hope we're done with the Blazers. I think we're done with the Blazers, but a team that's in the bottom of the standings, second from last. In 20 games, we can't blow them out and get some rest from the starters, and that's an issue. Right now, I just really think that they still have a lot to work on, and you definitely can see it in the fourth quarter still. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm happy they got the win, and there's still a lot to work out. After the Lakers, when you're like, oh, they they got it going, but then now they play the Blazers, almost lose it in the end. Not not lose the game, but lose the lead. Uh, but they pulled together, so I guess I could be happy about that. I guess you're right. I guess you are. you're right in the fact that we're, we're still learning to play together. We're still stacking wins in the process, which is what you want to do. I mean, the team is now 21 and 18, uh, obviously on the positive side of 500. And you'd like to see them start to just rattle off a nice winning streak. But you know that the competition that lies before the Phoenix Suns is tough. I mean, they have, what do they say, eight of their next 10 games are on the road. They come yeah. home on Tuesday, play the Kings, who just lost on a Dame time three-pointer in Milwaukee that that's a damn good team uh, in the Kings. So you have to take the dubs where you can, and you hope that you can see some progress in uh, the way that the team plays. And, and that's what we'll talk about is kind of what we saw in this game against the Blazers. Again, a win, a nice victory, a, t- a team you're supposed to be. It's not like last time, right? Last time we played the Blazers, we lost to a team that we should not have lost to dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that's what we're worried about. So, I think we saw a lot of good in this game. And then it is Sunday night. And I think these Sunday night games, they fucking suck. I just, they always have some kind of weird feeling, you know? So I'm just glad it's over with and they got the win. I'm so glad today's over, <laughs> today's <laughs> over with. Oh, yeah. We'll, t- we'll talk about I'm today just, for you. I didn't watch well, it. Well, yeah, I'm glad you didn't. I watched every, I, I like, I was Ugh. so, you know, obviously we're talking about the, you know, Matthew is a Cowboys fan. And uh, we talked that that Cowboys game was something else. So we'll talk about that real quick. Uh, just a reminder, everyone who's watching, hit the thumbs up, hit subscribe, hit notifications on, do whatever you want. You know, we we appreciate it if you do, obviously. Uh, fun fact, Suns are now six and two on Sunday games. So what what day of the week do you think they perform the worst at? Probably Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, they're four and three. Okay. Looks like Mondays and Thursdays, they're one and two on both those days. Oh, so that's Sundays. good to know. Sunday, actually a good actually day a good for the day. Phoenix Suns. Actually a good day. <laughs> <Would've> so, <known. laughs> even though it doesn't feel like it, uh, yeah. actually a good yeah. day for Phoenix. So <laughs> plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast. If you haven't already, head over to phoenixfits.net. Input the promo code SUNSJAM10. Get 10% off of your order. It's worth it. Some of the gear that they put out there is absolutely fantastic. And Brightside Night is on Tuesday. It's too late to donate, but we are excited to join everybody who uh, donated and is, is going to the game. We'll be going there. Obviously, we will be uh, conducting a pre-game Q&A session with a surprise guest. Can't tell anybody. We'll talk about all that after the next post-game podcast. But to everybody who donated to Brightside we end up, I think the final number is 2,994 kids are going to Suns games this year because of your donations. That's we awesome. Had six more would have been great. But thank you to all of uh, our listeners and, and the readers at brightsideofthesun.com for donating your money and, and sending some kids to some games. So it's Sunday night. I don't got to work tomorrow. 
Let's pop open a beer, huh, Matthew? Do it. Ooh, the mountains are blue, which means that it's as cold as the sun's at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Twenty-seven to one sixteen, going to Portland. Like you said, Matthew, last game of the season against the Portland Trailblazers. Which brings in my first question. Oi, Matty, mate, I've got to ask. Matthew, I, I got to ask straight up after this win, knowing that the Portland Trailblazers had eight people out, including Jeremy Grant, including DeAndre Ayton. Are you satisfied with this victory or is this just uh yep, I'm glad we want it on to the next one kind of thing. I'm satisfied with the last one against the Lakers. Um, yes. This one, I think you can expect it because it is a Blazers and they are losing people. And I mean, they, they don't have their full squad, which we've been through this when the past few years, when we do play the bad teams, we have bad games, but right now it's a different situation. Like I said earlier, I really think that they got to work out the kinks in the fourth quarter. Like, no matter how they performed this game, I think we were all just like, well, let's get to the fourth. We got to see what happens there. And it was pretty bad there for a little bit, but maybe because we were playing the Trailblazers and maybe because they were missing some shots they were normally making throughout the, the whole game, um, it gave the Suns a chance to come back or to keep that lead and to take it away from the Blazers in Portland, which was a nice victory. I'm not feeling anything from it, though, right? I mean, what are you feeling from this one? Because I don't feel anything. I'm just like, it's a victory. Let's move on. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And, you know, shout out to Aussie Suns fan podcast. Uh, hanging out in the chat says the oh, same thing. I didn't even you read know, that. T- take the win, move on. Oh. Uh, but but still, like, I, I think I do carry a little frustration here. Uh, and I'll, I guess I'll start with this before we talk about all the positives that happened in this game, because there were plenty of positives. But the frustrating thing, again, is those fourth quarters. Phoenix Suns in this fourth quarter scored a total of 21 points. Like, and this isn't this isn't them emptying the bench with six minutes left, and it just becomes like you know clown ball out there. No, this is yeah. their starters playing the the entire fourth because they have to. You know, in in the fourth quarter, the Suns end up going they 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 shoot sixty six point seven percent from the field. They're eight of twelve, but they turn the ball over seven times. You know, the the Blazers had six more shot attempts in the fourth because the Suns just kept handing the ball to them. Nine points off of turnovers is what the Blazers scored in that fourth quarter. And that's where the frustrating thing is. For the most part, this was a good win. Uh, the, The first quarter is just like the last time we played the Blazers where we gave up a bunch of points. We gave up 33 points in the first quarter of this game. The Suns scored 31. And it's understandable. Young team, a lot of injuries, a lot of uh, grit, a lot of hustle out there, but you know, as the game progresses that they're going to tire out and you have pretty much your entire squad. The only two guys who aren't available to play tonight, Damian Lee, bowl bowl. So you can literally get to a point where you can empty the fucking bench on these guys. And I think that this is an opportunity for Frank Vogel from a coaching standpoint to begin making those adjustments in the fourth. And and I, I noted it a few games ago how they're now starting the fourth with at least two of the big three out there. But the challenge is the people that they're fucking putting them now, they're out there with KBD and Josh Akogi yeah. are start out there in the fourth quarter to start with Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. Those are two non-shooting wings. And KD's playing the five. It just doesn't make any sense because what starts to happen? Well, if they have to get bailed out of a possession, you know, KBD and Josh Akogi aren't hitting shots. They they lack confidence in any way, shape, or form. So what happens? They turn the ball over. And it, it's this reoccurring twilight zone kind of moment where I feel like I'm in a bad dream because you know that no matter how good the team is playing, they're going to start the fourth quarter, and even though they're up 106 to 92, side note, giving up 92 points through three quarters to this team is bullshit. But up 106 to 92, you're like, yeah, I just don't feel safe. 
I don't feel safe. I feel like I'm walking through South Phoenix and I don't have a bulletproof vest on any time the fourth quarter starts. <laughs> or it's your golf clubs in the back of your truck and there you go. So I think it's a mental thing for the Suns. Like even before, like the last or before, like entering the fourth quarter, when one second ticks off, you can just tell there's something there. It's just it's something that Suns have to get over mentally. It's just like that little hump they got to get over, and they will, I think, eventually, because um, everyone talks about it. It's like the one thing that all Suns fans talk about, and they struggle with this whole year. Um, the guys they put out there, though, like even like Eric Gordon, who struggles sometimes coming off the bench, like. There's just there's certain lamps that they're gonna try, and there's certain guys that are gonna throw out there. Like Kogi didn't play the first the whole first half, then he comes in the second half. So he's obviously trying new things. And I just think that these guys he's gonna throw out there might not look good, but we don't really have a choice right now with who else we put out there because we gotta get these guys a break. I mean, Kevin Durant had 38 minutes tonight, Booker had 38 minutes tonight too. So when that's happening against a Blazers team, you're just like, Well, this is kind of frustrating because you want to give them some rest. Well, these guys that are out there in the fourth quarter, they got to build some kind of confidence in these situations. So I, I get it. It's just it's it's against the Blazers. So if you're gonna do this, you gotta do it right now against this kind of team. And the frustrating part is you see these players out there that the Suns are throwing out there, and they're not confident. Even Grayson Allen tonight, dude. There was some big turnovers that he threw, and I was just like, "This is not Grayson. Like, don't let me down, man. Don't be just a three point shooter because I know you're more than that." You're right that in, in the fact that this is the type of team that you should uh, test these lineups out against in hopes that something catches, some confidence is built. But but that's the, the troubling thing is none of that's happening. Every single game, the fourth quarter comes, and no matter what the lineup is, no matter what lever Frank Vogel is attempting to pull, it's just not catching. It's it's like uh it's like you're trying to unscrew something and it's like stripped, right? Like it's just you know, you're just like, oh man, I gotta go on TikTok now and figure out how to do some uh old wives tale trick to unscrew this screw that's been stripped. And it's just it's I, I don't know how to fix it. It's 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 like the sons are overthinking it to this point where they just lose who and what they are, and, and they're calling it on the broadcast. You know, Tom Leander and, and Eddie Johnson are saying, yeah, this team, it's like, it's like the Suns, when the fourth quarter starts, if they have a lead, they're a team that just wants to take a knee and milk the clock, right? They're a team yeah. that goes into yeah. a prevent defense, and that's all they're trying to do in the fourth is survive the fourth, knowing that they're already up in this case, what 14 going into the fourth, like, okay, we just got to survive. No, you got to impose your will. You got to continue to do what got you that 14 point lead. And you're, and you have Kevin Durant out there and you have Bradley Beal out there. So make something fucking happen. I just, I don't understand it. And you're right against teams like Portland. It's an opportunity to try out a Josh Okogie KBD lineup out there, hoping that they can like shut them down defensively. But it just it that didn't work like nothing's working in the fourth. And I know that we're spending way too much time bitching and moaning about this in a victory for the Suns. But it is problematic. And it's something that I, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I, I just I don't know. I've proposed things in the past. And some of those things have come to fruition with having two of the stars out there versus one of the stars out there just to start the fourth. But it's getting to this point where it's just becoming uh, I've said it before, like a bad movie. And we're watching it over and over and over again. It's like that Midnight Cowboy yeah. movie. This is this is the time where it's like you hear about the backup point guard thing. Um, when Katie's out there, like I feel like he would play he played good with the backup point guard. Like, even in the second quarters, when we start the second quarter, like we have issues there. Like such a good first quarter. The Suns are doing really good in the first. I mean, Beal had a great first. Um, but it's the start of like those next quarters they have an issue with, and I think that's when the backup point card and whoever they can get there. I know they're looking at wings or whatever, but yeah, that's the situation where it's like we need the ball to keep moving, we need to keep pounding these teams because that's how we're going to get these blowout victories. We're just missing that one piece. Um, Katie does a great job time at times, but just moving the ball with him, just like starting to be your facilitator, it's it's hard to do. I feel like it's just because it's always the top of the key with him with the ball above his head and it's just like yeah it's not gonna work i don't it just doesn't work right now it's they'll figure something out but i'm glad they got the victory tonight i know i know it's kind of negative but it's just because we we know we we're not good enough that lakers game it was awesome right but we just know we're not good enough yet if 
the one thing that we do focus on as Suns fans is like, is this team able to win a championship with who they have on the court? Mm -hmm. We just know this is not good enough. It's far away from there. But uh, being that the playoffs are far away, but they're close. They just need that one more piece. So we're kind of nitpicking in that way. And yeah, I mean, it's a team that scored 127 points, a team that has won two consecutive games uh, against subpar competition. I will might, I, I will add again. And that's the nitpicking part, right? Everybody in the fan base is, is just slow clapping and applauding and standing up like they're at a, the golden globes or something because the Suns beat the Lakers. Well, they, they should beat the Lakers. The Lakers, are not a good team. I know yeah. it's the first time we beat them this season, but the, the Lakers are a team that is mired in me mediocrity right now. And we should beat them. And you should beat the Blazers. Like we need to start beating good teams. Cause if you, if you look at the record and I don't have it in front of me, but the sun's record against good teams is not good. The team's over 500. It's not good. And that's the challenge. So you hope that this game, they can build some momentum because they did close the fourth quarter strong. Right. I mean, if you, if you think about it, the Blazers started on a 10, three run and the Phoenix suns outscored them 17, 14, the rest of the quarter. So, or 18, 18, 14, the rest of the quarter. So, I mean, by math standpoint, they, they started to put them away. I think they had a 12-1 run in the final minutes of the fourth quarter to, to put Portland away. Just frustrating, again, from a, a fan standpoint and a, and a reactionary podcast standpoint. That's the other thing you have to understand. If you're listening to this tomorrow, if you're driving around and, you know, part of your job is, is going door-to-door, -door, you're a door-to-door -door salesman. And you're you're selling doors on as a door to door salesman to people, uh, and you're knocking uh, at the air because they don't have a door. And you listen to the podcast while you're walking around and whatnot. N know again that this is a reactionary podcast. Like it's tough going on right afterwards because the last thing to happen in this game was the fourth quarter. But if you go back yeah. to the previous quarters, right? Let's let, let, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's talk about some of the guys, how they played, uh, and I'll start off with Devin Booker. Big Dick Booker. Devin Booker in this game ends with a total of 34 points. Uh, tops on the team. He also had seven assists, six rebounds. Uh, zero turnovers for Devin Booker. And I think that obviously that's highly important because he is turning the ball over a ton. Had a total of nine points in the first quarter. So again, what we've talked we talked about in the last game. You know, obviously against the Los Angeles Lakers, he comes out sixteen points in the first quarter. We get first quarter book. It was only the fourth time this season, Matthew, that he had scored in double digits in the first quarter, which is kind of insane, <laughs> uh, considering how he did that just on the regular uh, for multiple multiple seasons. Uh, but seeing how he started off engaging, you know, was was four of four from two point range, zero of four from B. Uh, beyond the arc in the first quarter, ended by hitting only one of six uh, three-pointers. What did you see from Devin Booker tonight? It was a slower start. I think uh, the way he ended the first quarter was what the Suns needed. I mean, the way they were struggling in the first um, against the Blazers, they were going to be down by probably about seven points there. But Booker hit five straight points to close the gap to two points. And it's not a big deal. It is a big deal right now. <laughs> the Suns will take whatever they can get. But figuring out the... The distribution between Booker and Beal is really big to me, and it should be to a lot of fans out there. And I know Beal got his nine points quick, then Book got his 11. So um, Book, just the, the aggressiveness needs to continue in the first quarter. Um, this was a 34-point game, which was kind of sneaky, but also we had those stretches from Book where it's just like, damn, like Book is back, right? The headband thing, he's not wearing the headband, so maybe it was that. But yes. <laughs> he, um, he had those stretches like old Book where he would just get to his spot, use that push-off. And that push off, dude, I'm telling you, like these refs need to make up their fucking mind because every player does that. And when some guy on defense is flopping by and he's like off balance and he falls back, it's not a foul. All right. All these guys push off. Katie does it. Beal does it. Book does Paul it. Paul George. Every push off, player has push off it. Ball. Yeah. So what is it like? You can't extend it so far. Like, do you got to have like a measuring tape out there? I don't understand that, <laughs> but it kills the momentum of the game because. Booker does it at all times, but he was doing that a lot tonight. He got to his spots and made sure that he made those difficult shots. And it was nice to see, even when he had to be physical and get to the line, he did that. Like when the Suns were kind of struggling shooting from three, he was getting to the line. Him and KD were doing that. So I thought it was an awesome book game, kind of under the radar. But in a game like this where you want to close out the Blazers and just get that blowout victory, he did his part. And 100%. he could have probably done more. And it's, that's the weird thing. It's like I kind of wanted to see more. But when you got – 
KD and Beal, they have to get theirs too. So Booker probably could have had 40 tonight easily. Easily. And you're 100% right on the push-off thing. What creates that push-off, if you will, is when you blow by a defender and he's backpedaling, and then you kind of bump him while he's backpedaling and the guy flies, like that's that's how that happens. You're you're penalizing somebody for being quicker than the opponent. When I talk about push off Paul George, he doesn't necessarily do that. His isn't from flying by. His is driving into a defender like Luca does it too. He drives into the defender. If I'm standing there guarding you straight up and I just run into you and then I push off you and I shoot, like that's what they do. Yeah. But like Booker, Scoot, Scoot Henderson, you know, he was he's quick. He's a quick guy and he's kind of doing some of that stuff too where he's taking advantage of the fact that the opposition – is off balance and, and Booker was doing that tonight. But what we saw from Booker tonight, for those of you who didn't watch the game, and if, again, if you're if you're going uh, on a long road trip and you're listening to this and you got the wife and the kids in the back, no one's sitting next to you, the dog sitting next to you, and you're playing this podcast, and they're like, why are you listening to this podcast? You're like, shut up, I listen to this. You guys just hang out on your iPads. But if you didn't watch the game, what we saw from Devin Booker tonight was elite jump shooting. Not from beyond the arc, like I said, one of six, and that's you know something I want to talk about here momentarily. But if you take away the one of six from beyond the arc, you know he's thirteen of sixteen from two point range in this game. Thirteen of sixteen, and these were some difficult shots. I mean, he's making 17, 18 footers falling away. Some Booker things that we haven't seen in quite some time is some consistency from the two point range, and he had that here tonight. And I thought that that was fantastic the way that. Again, against an undermanned team in the Portland Trailblazers, I, I loved how he was navigating his space, getting to his spot, and not being afraid to take those those shots. Now, one from six from beyond the arc is somewhat troubling. I He's getting the shots, uh, and, and it's, it's kind of like the Akogi syndrome, right? Like with Josh Kogi, he's going to be open. He's got to knock down his shots. Well, a lot of the Devin Booker shots were wide open because of the gravity of, of Kevin Durant and of Bradley Beal. And unfortunately... Booker just wasn't knocking him down. And if you look at him overall in the season, you know, he is shooting 37.7%. Obviously, this is going to dip his overall three-point percentage. But from a career standpoint, you know, it's it's like his third best year shooting from beyond the arc. So those shots are going to continue to be there. You know, if anybody's frustrated, and I saw some people on Twitter being frustrated with Devin, but you know, what's wrong with Book? He's not hitting his threes. He's still shooting really well this season from beyond the arc. Just an off game in Portland. Yeah, it is just a one-off game because I thought <laughs> I didn't even know he was one for six. So you brought that up because it wasn't that noticeable of how on because of how great he was the rest of the game and everything else he did. So, yeah, I I think that that you know again, if you didn't watch the game uh, and you're just looking at the box score and you listen to the podcast while you're on a rocket and you're headed to Mars, that's that's what doesn't happens. Exist. Is, it, it it does oh it does exist, it exists and you better be ready for it. Okay. Another guy who played really well. <laughs> and she said, you're not the only one, but show the best Bradley. Bo, bo. A little Changed remix, a little, huh? A little, yeah. little remix. I don't want to get copyright infringed anymore. Was the uh, last one? Was the last one? Was it the last? Infringed? The last two that we played, I think it just recognized that it was sublime too much. And it was just like, nope. Copyright okay. infringement. I was like, well, yeah, that okay. one doesn't, I guess. Um, yeah, we'll see. That's why I did it. Uh, Bradley Beal, 37 minutes play, 23 points, had five assists, a couple steals, uh, nine of 13. You know, again, Booker was 14 of 22 for his 34 points. Clearly the front runner on the team when it comes to total shot attempts taken. Bradley Beal was third behind Kevin Durant, who we'll talk about momentarily. Uh, but I liked what I saw from him, especially from beyond the arc. I mean, he set the tone three point shooting. Three of three right out of the gate. Uh, again, wide open on his threes, and he was knocking them down. And one thing that I noticed, and I like what Suns Fever says, he says, Beal's acceleration is dangerous. His ability to stop on a dime is unbelievable. That's one of the most, the, the most fun things that I've enjoyed about watching him play is not only to see his acceleration, but see his deceleration and watch him just whoo, there goes the defender. He's got wide open jumpers. Yeah. Um, it, tonight, dude, the refs tonight, I feel like kind of held Bradley Bill back just a little bit. Even defensively, I felt like, uh, you know, some plays, Scoot was getting some calls over Beal. And it's funny because last game, Scoot wasn't getting any calls. I'm like, that guy yeah. doesn't get calls yet, but he was getting calls over Beal. But Beal, I think defensively was really good tonight. Um, 
there was a few calls where, you know, he, this thing drives me nuts too. When you swat the ball and the guy kicks his leg out, the offensive guy yeah. swat it and goes off his leg. It's still their ball. It went off. His, he kicked it to the second yeah. row. Basically oh, yeah. like that swat's not going to do that shit. So that was frustrating. So Bill made a couple of good plays like that. One was a foul, um, but he keeps it up, man. And that momentum, he tries to carry over from the defense side to the offensive side. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's getting there. He's, he could have had another bigger game tonight, but the, I think the rest just really held him back. And I think tonight he did say, I think we took a step back and I think we all know that. So he's obviously frustrated with the, one, the way the Suns played. We are frustrated. So we're all frustrated a little bit, right? So we all know we got the victory, but he's even saying like, they're a little frustrated because he knows they took a step back. So we can all see that. But I really think that what Beal did tonight offensively getting to his spots. And even that one, he ran, he, he, they called a charge in that one where he got into the lane and the guy said right in front of him, that was a charge. Like constantly these refs were all over him. So I just think that the rest held him back a little bit, but he is so good right now, man, really getting to his spots and getting wide open. So Amon book figured that out. Uh, now they're basically unstoppable. It's just a defensive end and getting stops on the other side. Yeah. And it's one, you're completely right about the way that it's uh, from an officiating standpoint, you know how he was kind of getting screwed and and all of a sudden what's his nugget scoot henderson's getting these amazing calls don't really understand that and you know maya b says in the chat she goes y'all much have not really watched beal in washington no i, I didn't i'm a suns fan i never watched that team. you know i don't really I've watch them other basketball yeah, I, 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 I do here and there Try. but like i but when i do but I, when i watch <laughs> basketball it's generally the late game which is never washington never on national talent was i I watched beal twice a year when he played against the suns and i would be impressed with his ability a hundred percent i'd be impressed with his ability but to see it game in and game out is impressive uh but you did mention you know his post-game comments and i I think we have that interview ashley you want to play that Ashley, did you guys feel that you built on what you did in la because that was a fantastic night at crypto.com on thursday little slow start tonight but all in all i happy with you guys uh, the way you played Tonight. No, I think we took a step back, and I think we all know that. We didn't come out with energy. Uh, we weren't focused. We didn't do any of our defensive assignments uh, out the gate. We allowed them to get really comfortable, and they stayed comfortable throughout the game. And, hell, in the third and fourth quarter, they were just raining threes and had us all over the place. And offensively, we were just discombobulated. We didn't have energy in the ball. You know, we got to be a lot better than that if we want to be, you know, the team that we say we want to be. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to get a win, but we didn't win like how the Phoenix Suns should win. Beautiful. That's what love I it. love about. Beal. I love that. I love that accountability, uh, self awareness, not just the yeah, you know, like we felt like we had a good game against the Lakers and this was a win, so on to the next one. You know, it's like no, we 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 didn't play well, and I love the fact that that's who he is and that's what he brings to this locker room. And again, he's not the primary leader. With Kevin Durant, with Devin Booker, those are your leaders. But if he's your tertiary guy, he's a guy who has been a leader in the past. And you can see that. And accountability for himself, accountability for his teammates, that's how you change a locker room. That's how you adjust in the fourth quarter outside of the coaching uh, levers that are being pulled. And what's being asked of you and your teammates, that's how you do it. It starts with... Uh, I like what Eddie Yee says in the chat. I count a Beal a T. And I, I, I absolutely love that uh, those comments from him. You you need that. We talked about the leadership on this team last pod, and the other guys are quiet. They're not going to say things like this. Book and Katie will not say this shit. So someone has to do it. And it starts with the media. I feel like you got to get it out there. And I know it's just a game against Portland, man, but we all saw it. We started the pod a little negative. And you know what? Because we know that they let us down a little bit. They let each other down. That's a big. That's what. That's what it is. And Kevin Durant is will not shy away from comments, but generally his comments, when he really provides those self accountability comments, are said in defense of national media pundits and things like that. He had a a great interview with Fox Sports uh, a couple a few days ago where he talked about how all the comments that Woj had said about him being frustrated and things that we talked about on the podcast right here where we're like, yeah, he should be frustrated. I don't think he's frustrated to the point where he wants to 
demand a trade that everybody's saying, but he's frustrated with the performance of the team as well. He should. And he talked about that and how everyone else will point out when he doesn't play well, uh, but doesn't praise him for when he plays good. Well, and I thought he played well. Tonight. Who the heck are you? I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Y'all know who I am. Did anybody see a sniper? Did anybody see anything? I'm one of the best players to ever played a game. 21 points from Kevin Durant tonight. 8 of 16 from the field, 2 of 5 from beyond the arc. Had 6 assists, had 5 rebounds. Uh, a quality game for him as essentially the tertiary option scoring-wise. And I talked about that after the Lakers game, and it's it's interesting. And I know that you felt this a little bit because every, every now and then, you know, like Maya in the chat, like she's always uh, – she's always really frustrated when we, when we say anything anti KD and it's not necessarily anti KD. It's just observations of a fan base. And I noticed this after I said it uh, against the Lakers where I'm like, Hey, KD is a third options. Fantastic. You got Devin Booker in his prime. You got Beal who's stopping on a dime and pumping threes in. This is a great place for KD, especially in the middle of the season to thrive and to get some rest in and still be the amazing basketball player that he is because he is. And man, the KD cult came after me for those comments. And, you know, it's it, the, the comments are, oh, you guys just, you, you love books so much. It's sickening. It's like, no, you love KD so much. It's sickening. Like we love him too. Are you kidding me? Kevin Durant's on our fucking team. It's it's great, but I don't need or want him to go out there and have to try to score 40 points every night for this team to win. I would love for him to be a complimentary player with, Bradley Beal and Devin Booker around him who are younger and more durable at this point in their careers to go ahead and just pump in some points. And then KD can be the guy who comes in and is the run stopper. Oh, they just went on a 4-0 run, an 8-0 run, a 12-0 run. Give the ball to KD because you know that guy can score anytime, anywhere. That's regular season. That's what I want from KD. When we hit the postseason, absolutely. If you want to crank up those KD uh, engaging minutes, let's go for it. But there's there are some aspects of his game that have holes in it, just like there's aspects of Bradley Beal and Devin Booker's games that have hole in it. Just interesting how, you know, you do have the KD stands who obviously follow him from place to place to place. And that hasn't happened to Devin Booker, right? Like if you're a Devin Booker fan, you're a Phoenix Suns fan because he's never gone anywhere. So when we compliment Devin Booker, KD fans take it as a slight to KD. And when we, and if we say that Devin Booker, is shooting poor from, you know, beyond the arc today. Yeah, it sucked. He was one for six, but that's not the norm thus far this season for him. Oh, you're sucking off, but Devin Booker, this case. And then if you try to hold KD accountable in any way, shape, or form, you know, the fact that he turned the ball over three times, like, oh, there you are pointing out his flaws. It's just like, whatever, man. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm Yeah, you can never win. Um, you can. All, this is, all this is pointless anyways. Um, so the <laughs> fact that anyone gets frustrated is really weird. <laughs> um, I think that uh, – I think that um, – so Katie, like I said earlier, he just needs that other guy to really help him out. If he's in there by himself without the other two guys in the big three, then I think he struggles a little bit. He kind of does if he has to kind of facilitate, and that's fine. I mean, he doesn't have to be that guy. It's just like the experiments with him working with the other team. Um, it just it just doesn't look good at times, right? It doesn't flow, and that's what you need to continue to happen in order to have some success and to put teams away like this early. Um the thing is, though, with KD, dude, like I love him, like you said, as a third option. I think it works very well. And when he's wide open in the, in the corner from three, it's like, Hell what the yeah. fuck? Like he hit a huge three tonight. A huge three tonight. That put the, the Blazers away. That's what he's going to do. They're going to hit big shots. And he's done that all year long, man. He's hit big threes all year long. It doesn't mean he has to start the offense, play point guard, anything like that. Because we all expect, like, you know what? He should probably be able to do that. But. He just needs that other guy where he can run pick and rolls. He can do that shit. And he was doing that with Beal last game. Like mm -hmm. there's things that they can do where he can play the point a little bit. It's fine. But when it's just on him without those other two guys, it just doesn't look too good. And uh, yeah, we love Kitty. He's great. Hell Fucking yeah. awesome, man. Look at I, you know know how much, you know how much KD gear I have. I love that he's on my team. <laughs> I know you play. <laughs> yeah. my, my be in the chat. Y'all don't watch other teams. So y'all have no clue who, who's coming to the team when a trade is made. 
because they cause y'all to make wrong statements about players. One, I do watch other teams. I watch the other team that the Phoenix Suns are playing every night. I don't watch every team in the NBA every night because I'm a Suns fan. If you want national media takes, go watch the fucking national media. I'm going to absorb players, how, how I see them when they play against the Phoenix Suns. Have nothing but respect for KD his entire career. I've said it for years and years and years that he's been my favorite player in the NBA who's not a member of the Phoenix Suns, and I've watched him throughout his entire career, so I do watch certain players. So back up, man. Don't be so fucking angry, Maya. You're always so mad in the chat. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, a little. Have some melatonin. Usually, usually it's more towards me, and you know I take it. And the thing is, too, like doing the pod, like I don't even watch football anymore, really, ever. Just because. Well, good. You missed a horrible game today. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you didn't watch that watch. one. <laughs> I don't watch anything but the sun. So, I do want to talk about Grayson Allen. Hi, Barbie. Oh, hi, Allen. Oh, Grayson, Grayson Allen, our fuck shit up guy. Grayson Allen was the fourth member of the Phoenix Suns to score 20 or more points tonight. Ended up going four of six from beyond the arc, eight of eight from the free throw line. He had a couple blocks, had four rebounds, one assist. Like I said, 20 points from Grayson Allen continues to string together some pretty stellar games for the Phoenix Suns. And I put an article out there, brightsideofthesun.com. If you like to read, that's where I put my stuff out. And I posed the question. Seeing as the Phoenix Suns don't have a lot of outs when it comes to roster construction, seeing that a lot of people think that we need extra help at the point guard position, and that even the Phoenix Suns themselves have reportedly stated that they are seeking an athletic wing for their team. Is Grayson Allen the best possible trade candidate for this team? Yeah. It kind of sucks, it though, right? It sucks, yeah. Um, and it's one of those things like, who are you going to get back, right? Um, obviously, we love Grayson, but if there's a player we can get back, that would make us better. Because if you're looking at this right now with the starting lineup tonight, 34 points from Book, 20 from Allen, 23 from Bill, 14 from Nurk with 13 rebounds, and the 21 points from KD – and you struggle to beat the Blazers or something there. So they're just, they're missing that one thing. And that does suck. Cause I've thought about that too. I just don't want to yeah. bring it up. Cause I love, we love Allen so much and what he's brought to this team. Obviously tonight you can see, and even the last game, he's had some bad turnovers when he's handling the ball a little bit too much, but everything else is great. I mean, he's had his great games handling the ball and I think they trust him in that way, but I don't know, man. Cause he's such a winning player on this team, dude. So I don't know. What do you think? What's what's well, what's gonna happen? You know something? No, but the, here here's the challenge. Okay, here here's the way I see it, and I'm with you. Like I never thought I'd sit here and and beat the drum for Grayson Allen, right? You know, obviously when the Suns traded for him in late September as a part of the DeAndre Ayton trade and ultimately the Damian Lillard trade because he came over from Milwaukee. A lot of people uh, were very anti. Grayson Allen, he's a dirty player. He's crossing lines throughout his collegiate professional career. Uh, people are on Twitter. He's a, It's a huge L getting him. Why would you do this? Why would you do that to your culture? Yada, yada, yada. And you take a look at where we're at now. 34 games played, all of them starts. Second most on the team, only behind Yusuf Nurkic. Averaging 13.2 points, 4.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 49.5% field goal percentage, 46.2 three-point percentage. Every one of those statistics are career highs. Every single one. If you are going to sell Allen, now's the time. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. With those kind of numbers, any team in the NBA would line up and, and make an offer for him. He's an $8.5 million a year contract, which is one of your very, very few contracts that are actually tradable. Outside of the big three, you got Nurkic who makes 16 mil. You got Grayson Allen at 8.5. You got Nasir Little for 6.4. Everybody else is a veteran minimum contract on this team. So if you do, and, and, and it, I guess this question truly comes down to the inner turmoil that you have to face as a Suns fan. Do you truly, you know, th those of you who like to, take to the social medias or the chat or what have you. If, if you truly believe 
that the challenge with this team is that they do not have a primary playmaker, whether it's on the first team unit or the second team unit. If you truly feel like that is what will fix this team, then Grayson Allen has to go because he's the only guy that you can actually move that is desirable by other teams in order to do so, to bring in a quality player who's not a veteran minimum player. You can sit there and stack contracts, right? You're like, all right, Nasir Little and Bobo and Katie Bates Diop for TJ McConnell. You could do that all you want, but none of that is desirable. Grayson Allen is desirable right now. So if you want to, now is the time to sell high. And that's where I'm stuck in between, right? And yes, Lazy Sasquatch is right. The Suns have his birds rights. So they can offer him more money than anybody next year in a re-sign, you know, from a free agent standpoint. But the question is, you know, as an unrestricted free agent, is that what he wants? Is he going to hit the summer based on whatever happens this season? Let's say the Suns do hold on to him and something doesn't go right. And he sees an opportunity to go to a city that's closer to where he's from, yada, yada, yada. There's 20 different variables that can equate to a reason as to why a player will sign with a specific team. Money not always being all of it, but he's going to garner a lot on the open market. So that's the question. And, and that's where I'm stuck because I do think that there's things that you can fix around the edges of this team. And this is one of the few outs that you have as a franchise, knowing that Beal Booker and Durant make 130 something million this year, and that goes to 150 million next year because Booker's supermax kicks in. There's not a lot of outs for this team. So what do you, what do you think? Well, I do think we have an owner now that doesn't care about relationships that we have with these players, like building anything really like that's you know, going to last a few years, you know, not really seeing kind of growth from players. It's about just winning and the best team that we can have on the floor to win a championship. So if that does mean that Grayson Allen's gone, then he's gone. And lazy Sasquatch to say, uh, Lazier little plus Eric Gordon. So the thing is like before the season, we were excited about Eric Gordon, right? We're like crunch time minutes. We can play Gordon. Now. I don't know. I don't know if that's really a thing. I know he can hit big shots and he's had some big games and stuff, but I don't see him as a crunch time minutes guy. <clears throat> Do you? I mean, I don't see that anymore. Not recently. I mean, obviously, he's been coming off of injuries and hasn't played well in any way, shape, or form. Tonight, Eric Gordon, one of four from the field. What was he, like one of nine from the field against the Lakers? He only had three points tonight. So I think that he's a player who's coming back from injury. Uh, but I, I think that Eric yeah. Gordon has value. And again, I feel like with Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon, obviously, Grayson Allen's a little, little bit more athletic. But both are it's it's kind of a they're kind of doppelgangers. They're kind of the Spider-Man meme. Allen, though. I would right. too. Yeah. But if you're if that but that's a factor again. If you're thinking about moving on from yeah. from Grayson Allen, it's like well, I do have like an older, little bit slower, less athletic, but still can shoot the shit out of the ball, and I trust him in the final five minutes of a game. Player in Eric Gordon who could slot into his space, and look what I'm getting in return. And again, the question is, what do you get in return? Is this is this what you do to get a TJ McConnell to add some semblance of playmaking and distribution that you feel that this team needs? Or do the Phoenix Suns truly believe that an athletic wing is what they need? So they're reaching out to teams like the Grizzlies. Who do you see they just lost Desmond Bain yeah. for six weeks? Like yep. that fucking team is so well, in shambles. Mark is smart too. Like he is he out for a while? Like he's yeah. been out, but he's yeah. probably gone for weeks. Um and he's a uh, guy who you'd like to target, right? Yeah, yeah. You would want I mean, I wanted him early in the season too. Um, but if this big three, they can figure it out to where they just look so unstoppable, where they do have guys like Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, who can come in and fill those minutes to extend leagues and keep leads. I think we're fine. That's what. That's why it's just like we have to see how this team kind of plays out within the next few weeks and see if they can stay healthy and see if they can put together really good minutes. And Bobo, I think, is really a big piece. I know it's only been two or three games, but I, I'm, I was upset seeing him out tonight. I wanted to see what he would look like against the Blazers and if we would even have these conversations about being upset because in those games he played, like we never really talked about like, oh, the Suns having trouble like closing teams out and stuff. I just felt like he was kind of that guy we needed to come in and play really great minutes to extend leads and keep leads. And he was a hustle guy. He was kind of the weird wing and long, just doing whatever he wanted out there. So I want to see him healthy and see how long he can last in that lineup and if he can actually stay 20, 25 minutes a game. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at the bench tonight, and they scored a combined 15 points, and that's kind of what Bull Bull's been giving you off the bench single-handedly is anywhere between 10 and 15 points. And that's what I've appreciated about Bull Bull is when he comes in and gives you minutes, he's giving you some scoring. And I think yeah. that that's unbelievably valuable. And, yeah, you know, Saltiest Gaming says it in the chat. He says Bull Bull's having feet problems. That's unfortunate, especially when it comes to big men like him. I know. And, and that's why he was a late scratch today because – uh, that he experienced, you know, obviously twist his ankle against the Miami Heat and was out for a couple games, came back. We liked what we saw. A lot of soreness after practice on Saturday, didn't play today on Sunday. So, you know, again, when it, circling back to the Grayson Allen conversation, it's, well, the Suns are on the clock. They've got, I think it's 25 days until the trade deadline. 24, if you're listening to this while you're, uh, out running errands, you're stopping by UPS because you have to return some Christmas gifts that you never really wanted, and it's taken you nearly three weeks to do so, and you're just now listening to the podcast. It's 24 days until the trade deadline, and it's definitely something the Suns are going to have to field phone calls about. There's going to be yeah. teams, most likely in the Eastern Conference. You know, like a, a great example is like the Orlando Magic, right? The Orlando Magic are a good team in the Eastern Conference, and they have the second worst three-point shooting in the entire league. Grayson Allen would be a godsend for them. The question becomes, well, what could the Suns potentially get in return? You know, they they could do a deal where if you think a backup big is what we need, it's like Grayson Allen and Sear Little for Wendell Carter Jr. And I don't know if that's like I wouldn't that like that's a trade I would not do. I would not do. I like what we have uh, with Nurkic, Eubanks, yeah. Azabuki, like. I, Marco Fultz, maybe I don't know, but he's always injured. So it's just like it's there's no right answer. I just think that it's something that the Suns are definitely going to have to explore because it's one of the very, very few outs that they have. Is Grayson Allen at the peak of his powers professionally, uh, and is a desirable asset that other teams might actually want? And if you think that the Suns need to bolster lines their lineup and actually get something quality in return, take something to get something, and that something might be. You know, a guy who's shooting 50% practically from beyond the arc this season. And that's tough to deal with and think about. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. definition make them boys go crazy. Oh. Nurkic going against his former team, only 5 of 8 from the field. But he had 14 points. He had 13 rebounds. He had three steals. He had a block. He even had an assist. Loved what I saw from Nurkic. And... It's one of those things that continually I'm impressed with his consistency and how he's how he's playing uh, with this team. Yeah, it's kind of nice where offensively you don't notice him really scoring as much. Um, but when he's down there, man, even last game against Anthony Davis, we didn't even talk about him, I don't think. He was definitely letting Anthony Davis feel him up and down, dude, down, <laughs> down there in the paint. Like, he was just moving those guys around. So Yes. Um, the thing is, is like him trying to finish around the rim, it's still there, but the constant – you know, just hand swatting, trying to grab the ball, and he ends up with it most of the time around like three defenders. Like, that's pretty sick to see. I, I think what Nurk can bring to this team obviously is a big physical body, but I want to see him more like run the point a little bit up top. Um, go back to that a little bit, but you, you, don't you think like they, they kind of faded away from that with him and KD? Like, he's not doing it as mm -hmm. much. Um, but yeah, he's he did still... that at the beginning of the season. I thought yeah, that was, was really not too smart. much. Well, top now, of, now that feels back. Now that Beal's back, they got to work something in with him. So yeah, yeah, but top of the key, Nurk is because of his passing ability and his basketball IQ and the and the quickness that players like both Beal and Booker possess coming off of back screens and things of that nature. It's th those would be some nice offensive sets to see once again. You're right. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it's great. It's just it's weird to look at this team right now because. It's like, you know, it's like win now mode. So it's like we're always constantly like looking at these guys in two game or three game stretches. It's just like, well, who could we replace? What do, what do we need? It's like, why can't they just fucking win the championship with this team? It should be good enough. <laughs> well, that's the challenge, though. You know, again, when when we talk about even with the rumors of the Suns wanting a, an athletic wing, right? Like that's what they're looking for in the trade market. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't we have a roster full of veteran minimum guys who are technically athletic wings like you don't want a nobby and katie bates diop and josh akogi and like all yeah. those guys it's like if just if these guys just did their fucking job they wouldn't have that problem like exactly exactly Bates yeah. diop for he'll have two or three plays where i'm like okay 
Yeah, tonight, two or three plays. Yeah, but he's a poor rebounder. Like, that's what I was noticing tonight. Like, yeah. The Suns would get a, give up offensive rebounds with Nurkic out there, and it's not because of Nurk. Nurk's doing everything he can to keep everyone else off the glass. He'll go up, he'll negate a possession, and this is a lot of the same challenges that DeAndre Ayton had when he was with the team. Is From a defensive standpoint, he would provide shot deterrence, and while he's doing that, there's no one backing him up on the weak side because Katie Bates-Diopson is too busy like watching Nurkic go for a block, and he doesn't block out his guy, and the next thing you know, it's like an easy putback. It's like I guess that's why they're veteran minimum players, but I mean, yeah, you know, frustrating. It is almost as frustrating as the subreddit stakeout. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. When you look at the roster for the Portland Trailblazers, you had to ask, where are they? So many motherfuckers not playing tonight. Let's see. Who who all didn't play tonight for them? Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant. DeAndre Ma- Aiden. He's on the De- team. DeAndre Aiden. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon. Matisse Thibel. Where are they? So here's what some of the people on the subreddit were saying. Up, in, up there in Portland. They were keeping Portland weird. You go, damn, that is an empty arena. And somebody said, road trip was so long, I forgot the key has a new paint scheme. Get ready for that, Suns fans. Like, we're going to forget things. The Suns are going to be on a long road trip. They're going to come back like, oh, yeah, I forgot that they had that (laughs) gradient on the side. It's been so long. It must be humiliating to be losing to the 2024 Trailblazers. O-M-G. That was obviously during the first quarter. Yeah. Metu always plays like an all-star against us. 17 minutes for Metu tonight. 3-3 three, three from the field. Three good, rebounds. Good eight points. Left-handed little layup there. Yeah, he, he was good Very on nice. he, he was good on both sides of the ball. He really was. Yeah. They they gave him they gave him credit for two blocks. I was about to say he had two blocks, so they better give him credit for that. I was happy to see that. Uh Kevin Durant. Good lord. <laughs> that was after the dunk, the transition dunk. That was nasty. All over Tumani Kamara. That was fantastic. I love you so much, KD. Sons announcers talking about Blazers <laughs> passing on Jordan and Durant. Wow. <gasps> Never heard that before. I love the I love you so much, Katie. You have to throw it in there. Anytime <laughs> yeah. you talk about Katie, I, I, I love him. I, I love Katie. He's good. I, I always have to say it because all the the Katie people get so mad. (laughs) I love you so much. Katie, I love you so much. Kevin Durant was 8 of 12 from the field tonight. Why do you have to bring up the fact that he he missed four four shots? Jesus Christ, get bent. Um, Nurk, you dirty floater boy. (laughs) He was a dirty floater boy. He was a dirty floater boy. (sighs) That's a good one. Stop fouling Ted Cruz. I don't want to look at that face any more than I have to. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. Nothing will ever top the back the Batman voice subreddit. It's so good. Oh shit, I forgot my microphone. Oh, well, thank it's you. So <laughs> it's so good. It hurts my throat so just... much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Cross-eyed or wall-eyed? I don't know. One of the two. Wall-eyed? What the... Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters. A reminder, subscribe, rate, review, thumbs up. Get, if you love KD, give us a thumbs up. That's the only way that we'll know that you love KD. Uh, I'm giving it to Booker tonight, obviously. I thought it was a great Booker performance. Uh, sorry, KD fans, if I'm giving this one to Booker. <laughs> um, I apologize for that. I love KD. I think he's a great player. He's probably got the most jam stars that I've given out this entire season. But I am giving this one to the guy who went for 20, for uh, a total of 34 points and seven assists and six rebounds. And, and for that, I'm sorry. I I, I from the bottom of my heart, I apologize. 
Yeah, I'll give it to Book. He is the, uh, according to Frank Vogel, he's the greatest player in the league right now. So I'm going to go Book. <sighs> Tell me that Frank Vogel sucks without telling me that Frank Vogel sucks. <laughs> like, Book's great, but he's not the best player in the. Come on. Yeah, that's just something a coach says, though. I guess. You know what I mean? We always know that Frank Vogel is just absolutely full of it. Um, next up, Sacramento Kings, Brightside oh. Night. We, we will be there, uh, not covering the game for, for Brightside. We'll actually go be attending that game as fans. Uh, I will be conducting the QA with our surprise guests mm. prior to the game. So, uh, tune into our podcast after that to find out who it was. Uh, thoughts on this game, Matthew? This is a real test. I think, you know, the Kings are one guy away. I think the whole thing with Pascal Siakam, that's like an actual thing that might happen where they need that guy. Now, as much as they love this team in Sacramento, you got to kind of listen to the outside sources where we're just like, you guys have one piece away, but you need that one piece and it might be like a Siakam in there. Um, big test for Suns. It's a big name going back home. Don't let Fox score 40 points. Please, God, please. Just make it a close game. If the Suns lose, I predict like a close win. I would be okay with it, but just make it competitive right now. Just survive the fourth quarter. This is a good team. I mean, the the Portland Trailblazers, you know, I might not watch every one of their games, uh, but I definitely know who and what they are. Uh, again, a team that lost tonight on a three-pointer by Damian Lillard, but a team that, you know, comes in uh, – Ninth most points per game in the league, a little bit less on the defensive side. You know, they have a net rating of plus five or 0.5. So they're 17th in the league. But obviously, that high pick and roll that they run with De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis is deadly, especially when we talk about fourth quarters and crunch time. De'Aaron Fox being one of the best crunch time players last season, he's averaging 27 points and, and 5.8 assists this year. Uh, Keegan Murray is really starting to step it up for him in his what second season, you know, 16.1 points uh, as a starter this year. They're, they're a deep team that has a lot of shooting, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they, they attempt the third most three pointers in the league. Uh, they make the 14th most relative to percentage at 36.8. But, you know, this is a team that fireballs from three. What do the Suns have a challenge with? Well, they have a challenge with teams that shoot the three ball. Think about this. The Portland Trailblazers tonight, right? They ended up shooting 47.6% from beyond the arc. Of their seven top three-point shooting performances this season, three have come against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, The Suns' perimeter defense, not great. That's a thing. Not great at all. There's always an open shooter. Like I, I'm there scared is. to look. Every time the ball moves, I'm like, I don't want to look. Why are there three guys on one side? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, just really quick, my V, I <clears throat> do love you. I don't know who you are, whatever, but I love the comments. They make me laugh every game. I just fucking love it, dude. I'm not even going to read it, but it's just so good. <laughs> it's a fan podcast. I don't yeah. know what you expect from us. Like, we're not <clears throat> national pundits. We're a couple guys. Like, I'm sitting in my house uh, with no socks on. You know, my feet are cold. Like, I'm not stephen a smith or whatever uh you get what you get maybe you one like day it, though then yeah. then he'll if he can sit around and we can sit around and watch sports all day then it'd be a different story but it would be but i don't like i had shit to do today i had to watch this cowboys get fucking <laughs> destroyed yes. so did, did you watch any of that game no so i um i had it on my phone i was streaming it illegally just for my phone I'm like i don't even want to turn the tv <laughs> like I'm just gonna put it on my phone because I know how these Cowboys games are in the playoffs. I just know, and it started out the same exact way, man. First drive, gave up seven points, and you know how they did it is because the defense was offsides. They have these great, great specimens out there, great, talented, all defensive players, but they are so fucking dumb in big games. They're always offsides. They always get called for these stupid penalties that cost them the game. Like the Cowboys are the one team where the first drive means everything, right? They're 10 and 0. They showed if they're up 7 0, they score first. If they don't score first, they're 2 and 5. They just cannot yeah. back. Dak's not that quarterback. And you can say it's coaching, or whatever. But once Dak's that way, and I think the defense knows, they're not, no one's going to fucking try. So I don't know. I'm just done. I didn't watch it. I watched a little bit of the first and then I stopped. I'm like, this is the, I already knew. I already know. I know how it's gonna go. So I'm done. I was I was getting frustrated for you. I'm not even a Cowboys fan. It was like every time the Cowboys had the Packers in like third and eight, third and nine, third and eleven, and just 
they're making Jordan Love look like Aaron Rodgers out there, just flicking yeah. the wrist. You know, guys, Wide open. All, all, all the guys would do for the Packers, all these guys who you don't know who they are unless you play fantasy football, they're just running 10 yard or yeah, 10 yard crossers and just throwing dimes to them. Like, this is ridiculous. The uh, uh, I'm glad the, the Lions thing- won though. Yeah, I'm glad about that. The only thing I can think of, because Cowboys, like, Jerry Jones puts together really good rosters, and there's no reason the Cowboys shouldn't be in the NFC, like, championship once in a while with these teams. They have good teams. Their coaches are fine. Their coaches should be able to coach them to an NFC championship. The only thing I think of is the Cowboys make so much money or whatever where this whole thing might be fixed in a way where, you know, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys make enough money. Cowboys are the Cowboys, so other teams need to get to the championship. They need to win the Super Bowl. That way, it just kind of it goes around, right? All all the funds and stuff. I don't know. Something weird there, man. I don't know. Well, I'm just doesn't make you, sense how it continues to happen every year. I'm glad you didn't drive all the way out here just to watch the game because you've been <laughs> driving home at the middle of the second <laughs> quarter. Just, yes, you know, done, yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, last thing I want to mention before we get out of here, Aussie Suns fan said earlier, he's like, I feel like we should point out that Voida won the Sam, Suns Jam head to head in the Suns Potter Fantasy League. Yes. Yeah, you told me not to set my lineup or lock it in, so I listened to you. Uh-huh. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, you want to trade some of your guys? Like, I'll take some of your guys off your hands. Let's just – no one's listening. Let's just collude right here. Just let's do some trades. You're obviously not playing. I'm playing. Scoot Henderson got me 37 points tonight. Way to go, Scoot. Nice. I love Scoot. See? I love Scoot, man. Yeah, he's on my team. So let me pick up a couple guys off your team. Let's make it clear collusion. Just see what happens to the fantasy league. Am I right? To where it's like – let's see. I'm going to pull it up real quick. Who's Who's on your team? Probably don't even know. Um, you got Jimmy Butler. Oh, you got Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Wiggins, Grant, and oh, Embiid. So what I'll do is I'll trade you like John Collins for Embiid and like a draft pick and just see if everyone in the fucking fantasy league loses their mind. <laughs> we totally should. Just I wasn't even mind. listening. <laughs> it's okay. I'll just expect mm. some trade offers. You'll see them in 10 weeks because that's the last time you ch- that's how often you check it. Uh but on that note, Champsters, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Even you, Maya B. I know that you just said that my our only on, talent, Mac. our only talent is the ability to throw a frisbee <laughs> into an open field. Sure, you're right. Whatever. I do like doing that. I love doing that. And then I have to walk over there it and get so it myself. Good, yeah. It's fun. It's yeah. it's it's calisthenics. It's how I stay active in 64 degrees here in Phoenix. Uh, but make sure you subscribe, rate, review. We'll see you live after the Kings game, hopefully a victory on Brightside Night, coming to you live from downtown Phoenix. Until then, Matthew. Tell everyone what they can do. Go on, love your family. Go on, love your family. Go on, love your family.